Now, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a um, prophetic household. My mother was very prophetic, is very prophetic to this day. She's a prophetess. And, and so, you know, when I was coming up, you know, I didn't like to follow the rules. How many people were young once and didn't like to follow the rules very much, especially once your parents laid down? I hated following the rules. And uh, I was rebellious. As a matter of fact, I was completely away from God. And they would pray for me, and, and that, that was, praise God, we have, I had praying parents. But um, I was rebellious in my teen years in particular, and so I wanted to do what Jeff wanted to do. And so, but when you live in a prophetic household where your mother can get information about you that you ain't told nobody, it's real hard to get away with stuff. So if you didn't grow up in a prophetic household, you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you ever had a praying mother that got information on you, you kind of you kind of had to watch yourself even closer than the normal kid because you know you just can't get away with stuff that easily. And so I remember my mom, literally, I got a phone call in school, and they said, come to the office, you have a, you have a phone call. It was my mom. I thought, oh, my God, who died, you know? And uh, she said, now, Jeffrey, I'm going to tell you something. She said, the Lord just spoke to me something, and you're going to lie to me. And that's all right. You can lie to me all you want, but I know I've heard the Lord. I'm like, oh, God, I already knew what it was. She said, the Lord told me that you said you're going to go over to somebody's house to study tonight, but you got to, you're going to a party tonight. And the Lord told me exactly, and she gives me the name of the person. And I said, I can't believe you would call me out of classroom for something like this. That's just not true. Sure, go ahead and lie, but I got you. Just know you're not going to do that. We're picking you up right after school. I said, whatever. Click. And then my heart's pounding. Oh, my God. Nobody could have known that except the guy I'm going to the house to. That's the only person could have known that. I had that happen more times than not. And um, one time, I've told the story before, but it's a true story. And, um, and so I like to smoke cigarettes <laughs> when I was a kid. And, uh, and so I'd hide my little cigarettes. And then after church on Sunday... I grabbed my cigarette and I'd go behind the shed in our backyard. Had like an old uh, bench back there. And I'd sit down and I'm going to have my little cigarette, right? So I'm smoking my cigarette. Now all of a sudden, I hear a noise or feel a presence next to me, standing next to me. And when I turn, it's my mother standing right there. And before I could even get words out of my mouth, she smacked me so hard, the cigarette went flying into the yard. She's getting the house, and she's smacking me all in the house and said, the Lord. She they used to go to sleep, and so my parents would fall asleep. I remember church at night, at Sunday nights. And so you always had a little supper after, after the morning service, and then you would go to sleep. Come on, the parents did. And then you would go to church that night. Well, they were having their little Sunday snooze. And she said, the Lord woke me up out of the sleep and told me Jeff is smoking behind the shed. In my head, I'm going, that's not even possible. That's just, God's got a lot on his mind. I'm sure he don't care that I'm smoking behind the shed. I'm thinking in my head, even though I know she's accurate, I'm like, this can't be. So I got a whipping that day. My dad gave me a whipping. He got up, gave me a whipping for it. So I got my whipping. And then the next Sunday I thought, well, this is impossible. You know, I'm going to go ahead and have my smoke behind the shed again. There's sound asleep. No way can this happen twice. You already know the story. I'm sitting at the bench, had a can of Mr. Pibb. I'll never forget it. And I'm just enjoying my little cigarette, boy. 
And all of a sudden, I hear a twig snap. And I go, oh, God. I turn, and there's my mother looking right at me. And I'm going to tell you what I did. I got so nervous, I went, I took one last drag. <laughs> I was already caught. I want to go get some negative. <laughs> I hotboxed that sucker. Pow! Slap me across the face. Cigarette goes flying. And I'm going to the house. And she said, Jerry, I caught him again. The Lord woke me up and told me Jeff was smoking behind the shed. And I got my second whipping for the cigarettes. Praise God. <laughs> my, my point is, is that even though it's kind of a funny story, it's absolutely truth. God wants to give us information that the world ain't got. And when you're parenting your children, you want to hear from the Lord when it comes to your kids. Somebody say amen. Title of my message this morning is called Declassified. Father, we love you so very much and thank you for your presence already felt in this place. Thank you for your anointing, Lord God, upon me to deliver your words, Lord God, of life today, I pray in Jesus' name, and the anointing to receive it, Lord God all that you have for us. We pray, Lord God, open our hearts, open our understanding. We give, we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said a big amen. I said the church said a big amen. That's better. If you don't shout, what happens is the audience only thinks it's out there in, in, in the, in the, in the uh, internet land. They only think there's three people here. So you gotta shout a little bit. You gotta help me out a little bit. I preach better. Everybody say, Pull. That's what happened. You shout, you're pulling on that gift that's inside of me. I'm telling you what I know. If the people get quiet, I get quiet. But you start going, oh, all of a sudden, I feel that pull of the Spirit. And now, 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 the prophetic gets kicked up and stuff begins to happen. Amen. Say, say, pull. Say, pastor, I'm going to pull on you today. I'll give you permission. Go ahead and pull on me today. Praise God. Amen. So, um, in the Word of God, there's different times that where there were different seasons of drought in Israel. And there was a season in the book of Kings that talks about a severe drought in the land. And so bad that the, they were eating their donkeys, their horses. Uh, they were eating, uh, selling and eating uh, dove dung, if you can imagine that. I mean, times were tough, tough, tough. Such a drought nobody was able to, able to eat crops because there had been no water, no rain. And so it was a very difficult, difficult time. And the Bible says that Elisha stood up in the midst of the, the king's commander and he prophesied an impossible word. He got information that the world did not have at that time. He had it from heaven. And he prophesied this. He said, tomorrow, about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And the commander of the king looked at him and said to him, he says, you know, I know you to be a prophet, but he said, uh, how can these things be? We're in the midst of a drought and they ain't going to change by this time tomorrow. So he said, I'm having trouble with you speaking something that seems to be impossible. What he's not cluing in on is that he's getting information that's being brought to him by the, by the Father from heaven that when God speaks, he speaks from an impossible position. He never speaks from your possibility because then you would not need God. But he prophesies and said, this time tomorrow, you're going to see our economy is going to begin to boom. 
And so he's saying, how can this happen? Well, the Bible says that that very day, there were four lepers. Now, I've, I've acted this out many times on the platform. I'm not going to do that today. But there were four lepers, the Bible says. Now, the lepers were people that had to be uh, uh, placed outside of the camp because of their disease. So social distancing was nothing new. It means nothing new today because it's been done for thousands of years. And so they put them outside of the camp because they were so contagious. And so the four of them were left to die. Leprosy is a terrible death because it eats the, the skin, it eats the muscles, it eats away at the limbs, the fingers, the nose, but begin to fall off and, and their body begins to literally begin to, it's like a cancer of the outside of the body and it, and it begins to eat the body and deteriorate until it dies. It's a terrible way to go. So now they have double trouble because they got leprosy and there's a drought and they're starving to death. And the Bible says as they were outside of the camp that they begin to smell the food being cooked by their enemies across the desert floor. They could smell it wafting through the air. And they said to themselves, look, we can't go in because of our disease, and we're going to die because of our disease. And, and he said, and, we can't, and if we go in, they're going to kill us. So they said to, among themselves, at least we could go to our enemies and maybe they'd have mercy upon us and give us a meal before we die. The Bible says they all agreed to it and they got up and began to walk toward their enemies. Now watch this. They're doing this by faith. And literally they're, they're dragging their bodies across the desert floor because, because they, their, their bodies have been so depleted and so, uh, so broken down by this, this disease called leprosy. And they're also starving to death. And the Bible says as they went, something happened by the Spirit. Because when they got there, they found not one soul, not one person that was in the enemy's camp, but all the food that they prepared for a meal was left on the tables, including all their jewels and all their treasure and all their money and all their things. Everything was left, but not one person from from the camp of the enemy was left whatsoever because the Bible says as they begin to walk, on that desert floor, across that, that desert, into the enemy's camp, the Bible says that God made their footstep sound like a thousand chariots coming against them. And so when they got to the enemy's camp, the reason why they were all gone is because they, they fled for their life because the Bible says that the earth began to shake. And I want to prophesy over somebody this morning, the earth around you, the soil around you, the relationships around you are about to shake. And what looked impossible is going to become possible. And these four lepers filled their belly to the full and said, oh my God, what we do is not good. We need to go back and tell the people of Israel what has happened this day. And they walked back across with their bellies full and told all the people of Israel what was happening. And the Bible says that they said, well, let us go. Let us find out if it's true. So they began to get all the troops they could together. And the king's commander, the same man that said, how? How is this possible? Also got himself together. But the Bible says, you can read it for yourself in 1 Kings. The Bible says that as they were beginning to approach the gate, the king was in line at first and they trampled the king and killed him king's commander they trampled him and killed him i want to say this you need to be really careful not to allow the burden of how god's going to fulfill what he promised you 
to overwhelm you or it will crush you. Somebody say amen. I don't know how God's going to do it. I'm not sure when God is going to do it. That's not my job. My job is to pick myself up and start walking toward what I know he's calling me to. Amen. Thank you for the three hand claps and a couple amens. Y'all still cold or something. Declassified means to release information that was once secure or was at a need-to-know basis only. I can tell you that I've had some moments like this where I've ministered prophetically and the Lord uses me this way. And um, talking to my wife about it, and I said, the way God uses me, everybody gets used a little bit differently, but the way that the Lord uses me, there's a certain something that happens inside me to know that there's a prophetic unction or something God wants. There's something there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's trying to say. I just know at first there is something there. And I call it a supernatural flow. My mind was made up of what I wanted to say, but I feel like something else beyond my mind was opened up to me, and there's another spiritual flow that's happening here. And I don't know what it is yet. And let me just tell you about that for you that may feel that. You'll never know what that is until you have the guts and the faith to step into the flow. And the moment you step into the flow, that's when God, you're giving God access to use you. Use your heart, use your mind, use your words to bless other people. And so I'll feel this uh, like just this flow will begin to happen. And I'll step into it by faith. And I've done this before. I, I remember... Um, uh, we were having a conference. It was actually the conference God gave me um, uh, a few years back called Shift. And I did it in, um, uh, I did it in um, Florida. And I was tired. I ministered the whole time. And Glenn Miller, who's a prophet, was ministering. We were ministering at the end of the service, back and forth. And God was using us. And I was tired. We, we did this for about an hour. And all of a sudden, we're clo actually, we're shutting down. Now, when you get ready to shut down, you're kind of shutting down, Right? And so all of a sudden, uh, Glenn Miller says, hey, my friends are here from out of state. Jeff, will you go over and minister the word of the Lord? I'm going, oh, my God, what did you just do to me? I am tired. I don't want to. I'm done. You know, I'm cooked. It's over. I ain't got nothing. I got nothing left. I mean, just squeeze it all out of me. And so I thought, uh, he says, yeah, would you just go back there and minister to them? I said, yes, sir. And so I, I go on back. I'm thinking, this is my conference, and you directed me now. I'm on the back here. And so I'm on the back row, and these two people, precious people, are standing there. And um, I lay my hands on them. I said, Father, I have nothing. I have nothing. God, I'm asking right now, give me something. As soon as I laid my hands on this woman, I felt that flow. And all of a sudden, I saw her sitting down and writing and writing and writing. And the Lord says she's to write a book. And the Lord said, this is going to be of her experiences. And whatever I said, and, and here, and I gave, she's weeping. Her husband's weeping. I get done. I know nothing. I walked away. They come to me afterwards and said, you would not have had any idea. She goes, but I'm an author. And I'm sitting here and I'm struggling with my third book because I can't quite, I can't, I'm asking God, is this what you want me to do or not? And here you come up and say to me, I'm struggling with it. And you say to me, 
I want, this is what you're going to write. And it's going to be a book and it's going to bless. Now, only God can know that kind of information. I was here, I was here and I give God all the glory for that, right? So I'm here and we're doing, a, it was Sunday morning. We had, it was a great service. And then that night, Sunday night was to be prayer. So we show up, had a great prayer group that showed up, had an incredible time with the Lord. And I feel led of the Lord to, to line people up and pray for them that came that night. I don't typically do that on prayer night because it's not about us. It's about him and his agenda. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray. What I didn't know, there was a couple that, that um, goes to another church here in town that showed up on Sunday morning to our church service. They felt that they, that they were going to receive a word. And whatever I preached that morning was dead on the money, what they needed. They were so excited about that. And then when I mentioned prayer that night, they said, let's go to prayer tonight. So they don't go to this church. They said, let's go to prayer tonight. And so, uh, and so uh, they, they, she said this, I feel like Pastor Pruitt will have a word for us. Now, I don't know they're doing this. So we're up here praying, blah, blah, blah. I have the line, and I see them, and I recognize them because they've been in and out of our church for years as far as visiting with certain events that we've had and so on. They're very committed to their other church. Um, good people. I don't know their names. I know nothing about them, but I, know, I recognize their faces. So anyways, um, and so I go to them and say, hey, guys, hey, praise God. I didn't even know you were here tonight because it's dark in the sanctuary we're praying. And so I begin to pray for them. When I begin to pray for them, I begin to pray specific things. I know there's a flow. And one of the things I said was either you're going to hit it or you're going to miss it. And I said this, I said, God says you got yourself in a bind. It's a very difficult season you're in right now. And it feels like, it feels like uh, all hell has come against you. But the Lord says, just like I did in 1995. Now, when I'm looking at them, I'm looking at them going, I don't even know they're old enough to be together in 1995. In my mind, I go, oh, you know, I just missed it, but I'm going with the flow of God. So you can't go how people look or what you feel or what you think. You got to go with what God puts in your spirit. So I said, and God said in 1995, I did it. Then I'm going to do it again. And, blah, blah, blah. and they, fell, I mean, if people are here, they fell down like a sack, but both of them at the same time fell out. No catchers hit the back of the chairs out in the spirit. Blah, 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 blah. You know, they're going nuts, right? Afterwards, they come to me and say, oh, my God, you wouldn't know. They're weird, but we've been in some stuff going on right now. All hell's broke out. And we keep saying to ourselves and to each other, what God did for us in 1995, he's going to do it again. And in 95, they were just coming together. They both lost their jobs. The, the house they were trying to get fell through. Uh, they, people at church began to malign them and talk about them and all kinds of crazy stuff because they had a baby out of wedlock. You know how churches can get sometimes. And so it got really nasty and bad. Even the family members disconnected. It was all hell. But on the end of that thing, God did this and God did that and restored us here and restored us there and vindicated our name. All this of us. And they said, and you said... By the Spirit of God, just like I did in 1995, I'm going to do it. Come on, somebody. I think God's about to turn some stuff around in your life as well. If he did it once, he's going to do it again. Come on. So what's happening here? What's happening here? When this happens, it's as if God is declassifying information that we did not have. What is it again? It means to release information that once was secure or was at a need-to-know-only basis, right? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the, those things which are revealed, declassified, belong to us and to our children. How long, church? Forever that we may do all the words of this law. Woo! 
So what God kept classified, if we call to him, he declassifies, and now it belongs to us. Healing was a secret thing. The stripes of Christ declassified it. Salvation was a secret thing. The blood of Christ declassified it. Deliverance was a secret thing. The cross of Christ declassified it. Prosperity was a secret thing. The words of Christ declassified it. And those things that God reveals or declassifies now belong to us. Come on, y'all. We're not in the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament, the shed blood of Jesus, and everything he promised is yes and amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God. Everybody say the wisdom of God, please. In a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So we can stop right there and say, wait a second here. There's wisdom beyond our wisdom. And for the most part, it's been hidden from mankind. It's, a, it's an unearthly wisdom. It's a godly wisdom that's been ordained, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Principalities are, are the fallen gods, little g gods of the world that once walked with God but now are in defiance to God and separated from him, but believe that they're still in control of the earth. I kind of blew some of y'all away right there. Y'all okay with that? It's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. God had a council and they fell from him. And it says here, for had they known, these principalities and these little G gods, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, the enemy does not have the inside intel. Because had he known who Jesus really was, he'd have let him live a long life. He did not want to crucify him because that was the fulfillment of Scripture and the ultimate sacrifice for our salvation. So the devil is working on an earth-based knowledge. I'm trying to get us to a place to understand that we don't have to work down here with them. Hey, I feel like praying in the Holy Ghost. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor enter to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God. Everybody say, but God. In other words, it's been held as a secret from everybody. Everybody on this people planet. It's a hidden wisdom. It's all been classified. But he said, but now watch this. He said, but God, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. God doesn't leave his people in the dark, but by the power of the Holy Ghost wants to reveal to you every hidden wisdom. There is a spiritual knowledge that you cannot receive from natural information. I just said something right there. For the Spirit searches all things. So now you got the Holy Ghost inside of you and the Spirit 
of the spirit of God and the spirit of man together search all things. Yes, the deep things of God for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. We got to quit thinking in, in, in terms of two plus two equals four when it comes to God. Yes, you got to do your business and yes, those things really do add up in life and yes, it's okay to understand that you do, you do operate in this world but we also operate above this world and when it comes to the destiny of our lives we cannot operate the way the rest of the world operates because when you get a negative report from the doctor you they'll say two plus two equals four you got four months to live that's it but God says by my stripes you were healed now whose report whose information are you going to receive I got half the pocket back here. So you don't believe me. All in the back, I got some of y'all. Ah, he's got a point there. You know, you're getting there. <laughs> I feel pretty good about it right now. I feel like this is what God wants to say. And so He says, "Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God." See, that's the difference that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He wants to release this information. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That's why when you post things about what God's doing in your life, you get some people that will mock you, or some people will persecute you, or they won't like what you have to say with their little the thumbs up button and all that kind of stuff, which we put way too much clout in, by the way, hallelujah, about what we're supposed to say and what we're not supposed to say. And by the way, mm, Jesus, I'm telling you straight out right now, this whole shutting down people, what they got to say stuff, this whole cancel culture stuff, this thing's going to be smacked down by Almighty God. We are living in a time. You didn't clap hard enough. You didn't clap hard enough. See, because it hasn't hit you yet. I'm telling you guys, I do not celebrate what the enemy has to say, but I thank God they have a right to say it because if they don't have a right to say it, I don't have a right to say it. But what I do not like, what I see that's happening in the world right now, and we're just letting it happen, just letting it happen, they're, they're beginning to shut us down as Christians for what we've got to say and what we stand for based on their little policies. It hasn't happened in government yet, but it's starting to slip in that direction. But it's definitely happening by these social media clubs. Just had uh, one of our friends, Nicole and David Crank, uh, say they're, they've already got a, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, like a check mark, what do they call it? What's it called? A warning uh, uh, about what they've been saying lately, and they're gonna be, they've been told they're not going to be able to air their conference, a women's conference, was it Facebook? On Facebook, because they are not in, within the guidelines of what Facebook has to say. They thought, well, what in the world did we say? They look back after everything, and they're talking about the Lord, talking about uh, bringing people deliverance. I mean, they went back, nothing even political, nothing even said political. And they're already getting warnings. Don't tell me the enemy doesn't have an agenda here. Here's what I want to say to you. Look at me, look at me dead in my eye right now. All you right now, look at me dead in the eye. Look at me. I'm going to preach this gospel 
and this word the way God gives it, and I ain't holding back for nobody, no how, no way, ever. Never. Ever. Never, ever, ever. So, all I'm asking from you, all I'm asking for you is get the bail money together, would you? If they throw me in jail, just get me out. That's all I'm asking. Get me out. No, I won't stay there. I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not like Paul. I can't do days and days. I can't do that. I got to have my freedom. So just get me out. That's all I'm asking. Praise God. Get the money. Get the money together. Take up the offering. Take care of me. Praise God. That's all I ask. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but I'm not backing down. Because I understand that it's by the spirit. And when you start speaking spiritual things, it's foolishness to the natural mind. Right? Because the Bible says, nor can they even know them, spiritual things, because they are what? They are spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. Look, the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. Why is he laughing? I've heard him. In, in the moment of the spirit where I've heard God laughing, I'm begging God, I need a miracle, God. And I've heard God just chuckling. Bad timing, Lord. Nothing funny here. Why is God laughing? I, I have literally heard the Lord laugh. Maybe you have too. And the Bible says he laughs. Why? Because he's Alpha and Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. He laughs because he knows what he's going to do. He laughs because the enemy thinks they have power against him. How demented do you have to be to believe that after he casts you out of heaven? But there's, let me just tell you something. You need to understand this. There is a, the devil has a screw loose. I'm telling you, he's extremely smart, but he's off. He, he thinks he can win. And that's why he fights so hard. And a lot of times he does win some battles. But we, as believers, are going to win the war. And let, let me just tell you, God's laughing right now because he sees the end. He knows what he's about to do in the earth. He knows that great revival is about to come to planet earth. And the people of God have been begging for God for two decades, at least, for this kind of move of God to happen. And it's about to happen. That's why it's always darkest before the dawn. That's why the enemy always attacks the hardest. He knows there's a deliver, deliverer and coming to land. So he has all the children under three years of age killed. It's the darkest time right before deliverance comes. And let me just tell you, the prophetic preserves that's why you need prophetic voices in the land. That's why when I say things to you that are crazy, I know it might be hard, but pray about them before you point a finger and say, ah, but you know, that's just nuts. You're, now you're getting too far out there, Pruitt. I can't, can't get behind that. Pray about those things because most prophetic voices are not that they're better. It's just that they're further, and it's because of the calling that God puts inside of them and so they're able to they're able to see a little bit further it's like they can lift up above the mountain and see what's going on in the valley and that's a god-given gift and why do you want that because when the prophetic comes not just me of course across the land when it comes it preserves the people right 
And we see this in the scriptures when King Jehoshaphat, I'm not going to get into this because it's too long, but you, you see it when he's surrounded by his enemies and doesn't know what to do and cries out to God and sets his heart to pray and fast and the whole nation to fast. And God sends a prophet. What does a prophet do? He says, you don't fight this war. The battle's not yours. The battle's the Lord's. But here's what you will do. Go out and praise him. And as you praise him, the Lord will fight for you. So he, what happens is God declassified information to the prophet. The prophet then speaks it and preserves a nation. The preservation of an entire nation. Somebody say amen. And church, I want you to know that not all prophecy comes to pass. What? What did you say, preacher? Not all prophecy comes to pass. First of all, I will tell you this. I'm not going to hang here long. We've got to go. But if you'll notice, most prophecies God gives always hinge on conditions. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to save your children. I'm gonna do, and I say, but the Lord says, if you will do these things. So it's conditionary. If you'll respond and obey I'm going to do all these things in your life. Wow. The other part of this is based on something else. Hezekiah, the prophet showed up and said, Hezekiah, get your house in order because you're going to die. That was a prophetic word. Did the prophetic word come to pass? No. The Bible is very clear. Hezekiah wept and he's sick on his bed. He was going to die. And he was sick in his bed, and he turns to the wall and cries out to God, says, please remember the good that I've done for you. Please extend my life, oh God. And God heard his cry and spoke to the prophets and go back to him and tell him, I've heard him, and I'm going to extend his life 15 years. How about, how about Jonah? Y'all remember Jonah? I wish I had time to preach that one. He didn't want to go and preach to Nineveh. He didn't want to tell Nineveh. He didn't want nothing to do with, he didn't want nothing to do with God. He was, just, he was just a big disappointment, bottom line. But God was going to use him whether he was going to come kicking and screaming or what. He was going to use him. And he said, now you go to Nineveh and you prophesy these words. And you say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Did the prophecy come to pass? No, it did not. The Bible says that when the king heard of the prophet going around telling everybody 40 days and we're going to be overthrown, he said, get everybody together, let us fast, and let us pray to the God of heaven that he spares. And he said, God spared Nineveh another 100 years. I think you're catching my drift with this, right? How about God himself? Moses, done with these people. These stiff neck, rebellious people don't never grateful for nothing. Should have never taken on the first place. I tell you what, let's let them die in the wilderness and you and me start all over again. And what does Abraham say? Not so, Lord. Repent from the things that you've said. For you have already told the world that you, we were to come out and to worship you. And how does this look to the world? That you killed your people in the desert. God was looking for somebody to intercede. The prophecy did not come to pass. What God said did not happen. God actually relented from the thing he said, and the whole direction of Israel changed that day. I hear prophets, and they will say, doom and gloom to our nation. I hear prophets that will say, the best is yet to come. I'm a prophet, if you want to call me that, a man of God, preacher, pastor, whatever, that prophesies and says, uh, the best is yet to come. 
I see the good. I see it, guys, with all my heart. And I've often wondered, how can those prophets not see it and these prophets do see it? And I go, you know what? Sometimes we got to understand that God can say two things. Because doom could be heading toward all of us. If my people who are called by my name will not humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Everything is conditioned on our obedience. Somebody say amen. So again, I'm going to close here. You don't know what you don't know. And that's when fear creeps in. And that's why God also uses the prophetic to arm you with understanding what is really the heart and the mind of God in the situation. For he says in Amos 3.7, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophet. God does nothing in the earth unless he reveals classified information to his servants, the prophets. And you may not be a prophet, but you are a prophetic people. Where do you get that from, preacher? Oh, it's, it's all over the world. But let me give you one little simple one. You all know. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And another they will not follow. Every person in this room watching me right now can hear the voice of God, which makes you a, not, maybe not the office of prophet, but a prophetic person. Where you can receive classified information from heaven. He declassifies it to you. And now it belongs to you and your children forever. How do we hear his voice? Well, we learn it in the secret place. And the secret place is the place of secrets. Matthew 6, 6 says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your reward is is found in the secret place. Your joy is found in the secret place. Your peace is found in the secret place. Your hope, your faith, all found in the secret place. I may hear information that discourages me and brings me down, but the moment I get into that secret place with the Almighty God, my understanding is flooded with what God has to say. I, I now have his heartbeat. Jesus taught us that there was information that we are to watch for in the garden. I'm preaching here. Praise God. <laughs> Whose kid is that? Oh, bless their little hearts. All right, I'm going to preach this. A little slapper. <laughs> I just can't hear myself. In the garden, he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray, right? So simultaneously as we're in the secret place praying to Almighty God, we're also to watch. The word watch is the Greek word gregorio, and it means to be spiritually awake. In other words, we need to be spiritually awakened. So during prayer, we're to, to, we are awakened to the spirit realm to receive declassified intel from the Father. This is what we do when we watch. We, we, we awaken ourselves to what's possible. 
And many times we're asleep with what God's really doing. And we go with the flow of what's happening in the earth because we don't take the time to spend time with the Father in the secret place to receive his secrets. All fear goes once you see what God is actually doing. There's information and there's transformation. Man can give you information, but only God can give you transformation, and it's the wisdom of God, and wisdom is foresight. It's literally, I'm done here, it's literally information from the future. The wisdom of God, remember he said the hidden wisdom of God has been hidden, but now it's revealed by his spirit? That wisdom means it's information from the future. It's not informational, it's transformational. So when I pray prayer, I'm renewing my mind, which Romans 12 says will transform me. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word transformation in the Greek is the word metamorpho. Two words, metamorpho. Meta means ahead or tomorrow. I'm done, just hang with this, get this point out. Ahead or tomorrow, meta. Morpho means to be changed into. In other words, it means to be changed into your future. So when I spend time with God and renew my mind to his words, to his insight, to his wisdom, to his classified information, I'm doing what? I'm becoming metamorphosed, which means I'm changing into my future. I'm actually moving now into my destiny. I'm becoming the man. You're becoming the woman that God's called you to be, who you're supposed to be five and ten years from now. There is a secret about you, a mystery that God wants to declassify to you. David was nobody that nobody paid attention to. Not even his own family. But he was a king. Whether anybody recognized that or not, but it took a prophet by the name of Samuel to go and find him. And once he found him, it was his job to prophesy, you are the king of Israel. When his old family didn't even think he was worth, worthy enough to even be put in the same house for Samuel to inspect. But God knew where he was. You know, God's got your coordinates. He knows right where you're at. He'll find you. But if you're not open to it, you see, David was already working in the supernatural. He killed a lion with his bare hands, impossible. He killed a bear with his bare hands, impossible. He was already working with God in the secret place. And the prophetic word that was declassified from heaven about him, he received by faith, and he was the king. Even though he wouldn't become king for 15 to 17 years later, he was still, according to God, the king of Israel. God did not respect Saul. You cannot mock something up and prop it up and say, this is what you want. You may want that, and you may get what you want, but God does not have to respect it. So we rely on him. We rely on his ways. And we say, Lord, I trust you. Amen? I trust you.
Just bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. Nobody look around. If you're here today and you're without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may be watching me right now, and, and you're saying, I don't know him, then today is your day. Today is the day of salvation for you. He loves you. It's been a mystery. You're a mystery. But God's got you solved. He knows exactly what to give you today. And today you need his salvation.